Hello. Come on, can we give it up for the Lord? Hello, how are you? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for uh, joining us online. Thank you for those of you who are joining us in the room as we're getting her tuned up right now. All right. Getting her tuned in today. Uh, I want to let you know first about a couple of things before we get going into the message. Uh, obviously, if you are connected to the Crossing Church, you heard the news. Uh, we have been receiving information. We've been looking at that information weekly. And we've been also taking turns with consultation, both locally and nationally. That consultation that's national also has international consultation. And then we've been getting confirmation with the Lord, okay? And confirmation, and I just really felt like this week, it was late this week that the Lord confirmed that we are to postpone, just to pause for a little while, our public, large, large, you know, over 500 maybe 700 uh, back-to-church gatherings and some other stipulations that go with them. Uh, Leviticus chapter 25 was specific in its uh, direction, and Psalm chapter 25 was very specific. And so I wanted to let you know that uh, in advance as we begin today. And then I wanted to comment, if you would just pray with me, I'm going to comment briefly. I don't think we could go on any further. We're going to dial this sound in I promise. We're going to, we're going to, there we go. Here it's coming. I wanted to comment on George Floyd, okay? And I got a couple of things here. I think it's very important for us to, uh, to note these things first, okay? We are deeply saddened. Come on, congregation. Right. We've got some friends here with us, mostly staff and intercessory prayer leaders. We are deeply saddened and we are burdened. We are troubled by what we all saw, right, church? Uh, we are troubled by what we saw. We hear you, we see you, we love you, we are weeping with you. It is clear that Satan's doing everything he can to destroy um, our unity and our country in Jesus' name. Number two, secondly, there are a lot of systemic issues that we need to address in our community. Can we all agree? There are a lot of systemic issues. We want to be part of the solution and not part of the slander. So I want to encourage you to be careful on social media. Take that as a loving encouragement. Be careful on social media. Uh, now more than ever, we need to ask the Lord and we need to ask him what we should be praying and what we should be saying and how we should be uh, moving and ministering during this time. Thirdly, and I, I need you to hear these words very, very carefully, okay? Everybody who is listening, uh, though it is understandable, though it is understandable, given the outrage that so many are experiencing, we do not condone the violence and the antisocial backlash is taking place in many of our communities around the country. Come on, church, can we affirm? Come on. Let's not forget, okay, the advocate that we want to turn to is Dr. Martin Luther King. Violence never brings permanent peace, he said. It solves no social problem. It merely creates new and more complicated ones. It seeks to humiliate rather than to win understanding. It seeks to annihilate rather than to convert. It thrives on hatred rather than love. What we need more than anything, we don't need more hope. We, we don't need more hate. We need more hope, don't we, church? No more hate. We need more hope. And fourthly, I, I just want to say this overtly. We support all of our first responders, our police department, our firemen, our EMT, all of our healthcare advocates. You may clap if you would like to. Hospitality, our nursing staff. Those who are in, in shut-in facilities, come on, let's keep it going. Come on, let's go. So listen, we refuse to lump 
a few and mean that the few mean everybody. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that to the men and women who serve our communities, and we're not going to isolate and and disassociate ourselves from people who are hurting either. The church is supposed to stand on the plane to pull together. That's the the job and the work of the church. I I would like to pray. Would you join me in praying? Jesus, help us to learn from our mistakes. Jesus, help us to return to you. Lord Jesus, help us to return to your word and to your ways. Heart, soul, mind, body, spirit. Help the church to have its voice right now. In this trauma, we thank you for our transformation. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Since we do have some folks with us, come on, can we just clap it up for a second in the name of Jesus? We, uh, we can't wait to be with all of you. Uh, just a few more weeks. Our target now is pushed out maybe the July 4th weekend, and we are not going to have service on July 4th because you won't be here. Uh, and no, we'll, either, nobody will be here. So July 5th is the, kind of the target that we're shooting for, and God is good. I also want to give you the, a reference for a book. It's called The Bait of Satan. The Bait of Satan. And so the enemy is hard at work in our nation right now. He's at work in our families and this book addresses dealing with offense at the personal and the spiritual level, and uh, it is a great book to get a hold of. If you've got your Bible, grab your sword. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I, I want to answer the question today, what do you do when everything around you is on fire? What do you what do, you do when everything around you is on fire? And it's a, it's a two-part Uh, I'm just going to go through Ephesians chapter 4. It's two parts. Number one, we need to carry some water. We need to carry some water. Number two, we need to let it burn. So uh, as we begin in the scripture right here in Ephesians chapter 4, 17, excuse me, let me back up a little bit. Let me get my place. Here's 4-1. 17 would be jumping too far. God bless you. (laughs) Ha ha. 4-1, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. We're talking to Christians. We're not talking to non-Christians. We're talking to Christians. And if you're on the other side of the stream, or maybe you're even sitting here today, and you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, we know that we can come into a relationship with him, okay? You're not excluded. Be completely humble and be gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. So I could drop the Bible and walk off right now, right? Underscore this in your Bible. If you don't have your Bible out, you've got your tablet, your phone, you're watching um, through our app. Underscore this verse, please. This is the entire message. This is what I want to get to you. Make every effort. Make every effort. All diligence with everything you have with the money you have, with the earnestness you have, with the heart you have, with the language you have, with the feet you have, with the hands you have, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. For there is one body. There's not this body and another body and another body and another body. There's one body and one Spirit. There's One body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope. There's not a different hope for different groups of people. There's one hope. When we were called, there is one Lord. 
There is one faith. There is one baptism. (laughs) There is one God and Father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. There's this one. And my encouragement to you is to grow your capacity during this season when there's so much tumult, when everything is going a little bit crazy and there's so much trial and trauma and difficulty, let God transform you. Let him grow capacity inside of you to carry water. Let him grow capacity in you to carry water. Turn with me. If you've got a Bible, go to John, the book of John, 737. Here's what God says, 737. On the last great and the greatest day of the feast, this is the Feast of Tabernacle or the Feast of Booths, and, and, and I want to make a note. If you would make a note right there, um, the Hebrews celebrated a seven-day feast. It was in October, but it's relevant for today. That's their harvest season. So here's what I want to announce. The harvest season is coming for America. The harvest season is coming for the church in America. The harvest season is coming for the church in America. We, we will celebrate with our Jewish friends. We will celebrate with our Hebraic friends this festival of booths. They would tabernacle in booths because they were getting ready for the great sheaves of harvest that came in. And it was during this festival on the last day that Jesus stood up and he said with a loud voice, I won't try to match his voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whosoever believes in me, as the scripture has declared or said, streams of living water will flow from your inner man. From your inner man, your inner woman. It's very important that when we're talking about Ephesians chapter 4, that we understand if God's going to grow our capacity and there's one faith and one hope and one Lord and one baptism and we're to have one One foundation that we stand on together. If we could do that, we need the presence and the power of the flowing stream, the river of the Holy Spirit living in us. We need God to uh, flow through our lives in such a way that it transforms us. And two Old Testament markers that are very important. See, see, listen, I want to tell you, Christians, we already know what to do. So listen to me. We already know what to do, right? Right? 2 Chronicles 7.14, if you have uh, your scripture, your sword, go there. 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says in 7.8 that they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, not coincidentally. Two very important uh, uh, times of intersection in the Old Testament, okay? Very important. The temple of Solomon had been built. They were ready to receive the harvest of God, and God says this to Solomon, you will know it. But I wanted you to note the fact that they were ending the the festival of tabernacles just like they did in the scripture. Here's what it says, uh, 2 Chronicles 7, and we'll start in verse 12. The Lord appeared to him who, Solomon, at night, and he said this, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Now, we know in the New Testament that the temple is right here. And the sacrifice is my mind, my will, my body, my emotions, that what I give to God might be pleasing and right to him. I offer my body as a living sacrifice. And so as the temple is being consecrated and they're ready for the harvest to come in, God says, this is a place of sacrifice. I've chosen it for you. And then he says this in 13, which we don't get all the time. We just go right to 14. When I shut up the heavens, so there is no rain. 
or I command the locust to devour the land. Now, if that messes with your theology, come up, you know, talk to me later. Or I send a plague among my people. 14. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. If my people who are called by my name, if they would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I'll come. I'll hear from heaven and I will come and I will heal your land. Now, 15, my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place. What place? This place and in your church and in your home and in your heart. In this place. Why? Because we're flowing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we're asking God to grow our capacity so that we might be one. So that we might protect the bond of peace at all circumstances in love. We're not gonna give it up. It's time for us to Take hold of it together. I have chosen and consecrated this temple. Say, I'm the temple. So that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will always be there with you. Nehemiah chapter eight. The nation has been in captivity for 70 years with Babylon. King Cyrus, and I wanna say this just publicly, President Trump, love him or hate him is Cyrus to the church. Love him or hate him. He is Cyrus to the church. No other president in United States history has been more kind and gracious to the gospel. No one. Love him or hate him. He's Cyrus to the church. Go, go and do some research. Cyrus freed the Jews from captivity and sent them back to rebuild their land. Nehemiah, Ezra was first as a priest. Nehemiah came after him and then they rebuilt the walls. They reconstituted their national government based on the word of God. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3, it says that Ezra came out with the book of the law. Why? Because it had disappeared for a generation. And in Nehemiah 8, 3, you don't have to put the scripture up there. The Bible said that they built a podium. Nehemiah went to the top of the podium. He opened the book of the law. He read from the crack of morning, as soon as the sun came up, all the way until noon. That's a long church service. He read the scripture from the break of light until noon and all of the people were attending and they listened intently and their hearts were open to the word of God again. Church, if we're gonna change, if we're, if we're gonna make a change, if we're gonna have one hope and one ha- baptism and one Lord and one faith and we're gonna actually come together in unity and we're not gonna break the, the, the bond of peace, we're gonna say the bond of peace is the most important thing that I can do and in unity of the bond of peace, no matter what happens, I'm not breaking it. If we're gonna do it, we need prayer and we need the power of the word of God. We need prayer and we need the power of the word of God to expand our ability to carry water to hot situations. Verse seven, but to each one of us, a grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. God has given you a grace. He's given me a grace. He's given you charis. He's given you a gift. And it said, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men, spiritual gifts, natural gifts. And he descended into the lower earthly regions as well. Skip to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers, the fivefold ministry. Why? It goes on. 
Verse 12, to prepare. Say prepare. Say prepare real loud. Prepare. Super. To prepare. To prepare. To get ready. To equip God's people for the works of service. So in the trauma comes your transformation. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Some, some people say mature. Mature. You become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. So, so, so listen. Listen to what this says. That's what this says. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by every cunningness and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. God has given you a grace for what? So that you might mature in the word of God, so that you might learn how to pray, so when the world goes to hell, you stand for heaven. You get over, we get over when we mature. You get over your hurts. And listen, everybody's got a bucket of hurts. I don't know what happened to you, but I know that it was personal. I know that it was real. I know that it was difficult. And our habits, we, we all have habits. And man, don't you wish sometimes that you didn't have them? I'm just, I wish they could go away. Christ is saying to us here through the scripture, if you deepen yourself in maturity with me, you don't have to operate out of your hurts or your habits or your hangups. When you are confronted with things that are difficult, you can, see, the Bible says you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then we're going to be able to be a mature group of believers, no matter what our color, no matter what our race, no matter what our creed. By the way, when you're asked, you know, what is your race? There's only one race. There's only one. The Bible says there's one blood. And from that one blood, God created us all. So when we mature, then we're going to be able to do this, verse 15, instead of, instead of being an infant, and instead of being tossed and divided and broken and angry and vicious with each other and slandering one another, we'll be part of the solution. And God says that we'll speak the truth in love. We'll speak the truth and love to one another, and then in all things we'll grow up into him who is the head that is Christ from him. The whole body is joined together in every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does it, say it with me, work, as each part does its work. We'll grow to be one. See, you don't have to agree, but you have to love. We're not colorblind, we're color blessed. Church, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. In every circumstance, in every single circumstance, you have two choices. <laughs> every circumstance, in everyone, in every conversation. Somebody's angry and hurt and bitter and frustrated and dealing with things, and, and you can just go. You just pour some gas on it, and they're, they're incendiary. Up in flames they go. And the flames of hell consume us. Or you could say, <laughs> I'm going to be gracious, and I'm not going to respond out of my own hurts, my habits, and my hangups. And, and uh, this is on fire, but I'm going I'm to douse it. 
I'm gonna. How many of you? How many of you ever had your grill catch on fire? I've, I'm good at it. I mean, I catch my grill on fire. And I'm just a little bit of fire. I catch it on fire. And I've been amazed at uh, how much water it takes to put that thing out. And I, so first I go out with a squirt, you know, and I'm standing there. And then I eventually, come on, are you with me? Take the lid off. I'm dousing. And sometimes I end up with a hose. Now, I'm telling you, I catch my grill on fire. I've got it on fire. What we, when we want to pour water, when we want to carry water, what do you do when everything's on fire? You carry some water. Three things. What you, uh, what you see matters. What you say matters and what you do matters. What, listen, what you see matters. And if you guys, I want you to just, this is Fiji, Okay. Fiji bottle here, and I want you to kind of pan in if you can. I want you to get a good look at that. All right, you can see the little flower. You can see the words up here from the island of Fiji. And you got to say it with that accent. All right, you can see this. But I, but I want you to know, so if I ask you, what do you see? You'd say, pink flower. And then I would say, nope, that's not what I see. You got to rotate your perspective, church. You got to rotate your perspective. This might be what you see. This is what I see. And I see back here that this is the world's best water. You didn't know that, did you? If we can have conversation with one another, if we can actually listen, If you can see what somebody else is see, then we avoid the problem that the scripture says that uh, I walk around with a plank in my eye and I'm asking you to take the speck out of yours. Come on, I need to let, you need to let that settle for a second. Because we think we're right. We think we know. We think we understand. We think we got it under control. We think, we think this, we think this, we think this, but our perspective needs to rotate. If you want to see what somebody else sees, stand from their viewpoint. What we see matters and what we say matters. You know, the Bible says that a gentle word turns away wrath. What we do matters. The Bible says in Colossians 3.17 that in everything that we do, in word or in deed, in every word that's spoken or in deed that we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So if it is not sanctioned by the name of Jesus, come on church, help me out, then don't do it. If, if Jesus doesn't approve of your post, don't post. All right, enough soapbox. I was speaking to a friend of mine, African-American pastor, very um, wonderful man in our city, and immediately as these things sort of populated, we were connecting and we were talking. And um, I, I, I want to say, I want to make sure that you understand this: you cannot have robust conversations without relationship. Let me say this to you again: robust conversations are relegated to relationship. Without them, don't have them. 
we had a, we had a robust conversation. Just, and I want to see, so here's my heart. I want to understand. Like, I really, truly want to understand. And if there's something to do and there's a lot to do, I want to do it. I, I want to do it. I mean, I truly want to do it. I don't just want to talk about it from up here. That is, that is a, that's creating a spectacle for nothing. I really want to understand, and I really want to, I want to do something about it. And, and so we're going back and forth, and he said, I'm going to go to a rally. And I said to him, I wouldn't go to a rally. Or why are you going to the rally? And he paused for a second, and he said, um, I'm going to the rally because I want to make sure. I didn't say a prayer meeting because I will go to any prayer meeting. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Come on, church, don't leave me hanging up here. And you guys are like, I was thinking. <clears throat> and he said, the reason why I'm going to the rally is because I want to make sure that some 20-year-old doesn't do something that he regrets for the rest of his life. And I said, that's the right reason to go to a rally. That's the right reason. And, I, and, and, and so I didn't even understand, but I do now. now. I get it, I do now. And talking with him, I... I said, I don't understand this. Can you help me understand this? And I, I'll, I'll spare us from the details. I don't understand this. And he said, well, he said, um, two generations up, one of the ladies that was a reference was the first one that was integrated into her public school, and she had to have a police officer go to school with her. And uh, I understood that I didn't understand. I, I am not qualifying anybody to go do violence. Are you, are you understand with me? Do you understand my heart? Do you understand, church, do you understand? What we are qualifying our heart for is to actually be for people. And if there's wrongs that need to be righted, and there are many of them, we need to stand in that lane. And you won't understand until it's personal to you. The same, thing, the same thing exists with gender confusion, all, race, all these things. We won't understand until we stand in the shoes of the person who's experiencing the pain and we say to them, Jesus has a better answer. Jesus has a better way. All right, we want to carry some water. And then I'm going to move pretty quickly. I, I mean, we want to let it burn as well. And I want to shift to us personally. If you're going to let something burn, I want you to burn up the dross and the hatred and the bigotry that's inside of you. Here's what Jesus says, verse 17. It's kind of where I started the message, verse 17. 417. I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and desperate Excuse me. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So here's what God says. If you want to let something burn, burn up your ignorance. And the reason why we're ignorant as a nation is because we've ignored God. 
The scripture says that we've ignored him and we've ignored his pleas and we've ignored his words and we've taken his word out of the schools and we don't pray anymore and we're not speaking loud enough in our civic gatherings. We're not speaking loud enough as Christians. We're not pushing hard enough as believers. So we become ignorant and defame the living God in our country because his word goes away for a generation. And he says, we become ignorant and we're pushed by every wind of doctrine and we just go nuts over everything we can go nuts over and we don't know. And then it says, if you want to fix this thing, fix your immorality. Listen to me, church. I'm not talking about a color, a race, a creed. I'm talking about immorality. If we can beat the devil in immorality, if we can beat him in marriage and we can keep our morality and we can keep our fidelity, we win the war. We win the war. And I'm telling you, that's the war. That's not the battle. That's the war. 20, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard from... Uh, heard of him when you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. First of all, we need to know who our neighbor is. And then we need to speak truthfully. We need to say, I don't understand, and I'm angry, and I'm mad, but you got to have a relationship to do it. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. Please make a note. The old me and the old you has a terrible attitude. The old me and the old you is full of pretense. And we'll say, I love you, brother. And the old you and the old me has smoldering anger on the inside. And the old you and the old me is an easy target for the devil. Take you out every time. 28, he who has been stealing, still no longer. He says to work, do something useful with our hands that you may have something to share with those who are in need. So if we want something to burn up, we need our ignorance to burn. We need our immorality to burn. We need our, our sin to burn. We need, verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's what needs to burn. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Christians, believers, pastor. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God of whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The other day I was speaking to the Lord. Before all this occurred, I want you to know that, and, and, and he, he, uh, he did some judo on me. Did the Lord ever do some judo on you with scripture? And I'm like, Lord, this and this. And he said, Psalm 19. And he just quoted it back to me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. He said it like I was saying it to myself. And I went, pause. Because if you're going to live clean, the meditation, the words of your mouth come from the meditation of your heart. 
And God is asking every one of us to let some stuff burn. I need you to get serious. There's, this is not, this is go time. This is not time to play. Come on, we can clap for that. Come on, get in there. Lastly, verse 31, get rid of, let it burn. Get rid of, let it burn. Carry some water and let it burn. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of your rage and your anger and your brawling and your slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Just as Christ, God forgave you. And I want to end like this. And I am very proud of our church. Matter of fact, come on, can we thank God for our church? I'm very proud of our church. We have incredible campus pastors. We've got an incredible staff. Pastor Wade Snyder at Tampa doing an amazing job. Let's just clap for all of them. Come on. Okay. We're together, so we're clapping. Pastor Hector Rivera in South Shore. Pastor Michael Pippen in Plant City. Okay? And there have been these riots. I want to close like this. There have been these riots, and we know they've been all over. They've been Tampa, Riverview, and many other places, Plant City. And last week on Tuesday, there was a protest. I said riots. Let me clarify. There was a protest, and the protest was mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. And in, in the, the, the story that came to me, there were a couple of incidences that took place. I think somebody uh, pepper sprayed a police officer and they got arrested. And somebody threw a bottle at a police officer and they got arrested. And so mostly, I mean mostly, in comparison to the things that we're seeing around the country, mostly. So, but Plant City was going, man, we're, I, don't, I don't know if we're prepared. There's, you know, we need to pray. And there was another one that was coming on Thursday. And so on Wednesday, there was a group of pastors that got together. Pastor Michael was a part of that group, and, and they gathered together to pray. And I want to I I say something to you. Protesting can be a positive thing if it's done in the right light. Protesting turns bad when we turn to violence and vandalism and all of that stuff. Protesting isn't bad in and of itself. Praying is the best thing to do. It's the best thing to do. So in their prayer meeting, the a lady who had uh, led the protest on Tuesday was going to lead the protest on Thursday was there. Something was misunderstood at the prayer meeting and she began to cry out. And Pastor Michael said that as she was crying out, God did something to him. And he could see the pain in, on her face and in her eyes. And when he did, he said that God transposed the face of his daughter and he could see her pain. And, and I, wanna, I wanna tell you that that only comes by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So he had compassion as a father and he said, he said, come here, can we pray for you? She came up, the pastors prayed for her and there was a bit of reconciliation back and forth. There was some commendation, some uh, some mutual repentance that happened. And I want you to see this picture. This is a, it's part of a picture of Pastor Michael, she and Pastor Michael embracing one another after there was 
confrontation and isolation and disorientation, all of those things that took place, then the move of God, we wanna carry some water and we wanna let some things burn. And then God works and then God moves. And she said afterwards, she said, I thank you for praying for me and I'm committing. We don't know how it's gonna turn out, church, do we? We don't know. But she said, I'm committing from this point to, if I protest, I wanna protest peacefully and I wanna do it in unity. I don't want any more violence. And the next meeting she had was more like a community meeting and they had food and conversation and relationship. If you're not clapping, you should be. What caused her to come up is that when Pastor Michael saw her face and when they prayed for her, he said to her, the church, listen to me, the church hears you and the church sees you and the church cares about you and the church loves you and the church is weeping for you. That's what breaks down the hardness of the shell and leads somebody to Jesus. You, you can't do it in God, unless God has anointed you to carry the water and the fire has burnt up some of the dross inside of you. You can't see your brother or your sister. You can't see your uncle or your dad or your cousin. You can't see that there is relative peace in the midst between you and your spouse unless God moves. And so that's how we're going to pray to end. That God would move. He would move and the church, instead of hiding somewhere in a corner, would engage our culture. The church would engage our culture. Would you join me in praying? Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. That love is the answer. At all times, in every circumstance, in every season, set aside what we think, what we think we know. Let us carry some water into fiery places and let the fire, our God is a consuming fire, let the fire burn up the dross. Our ignorance, our immorality, our sin, our unwholesome talk, and the bitterness and the malice that we bring to the table. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that we would be one. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that we would be one. Father, in Jesus' name, we stand against the gates of hell and we say that the church will go forward. The gates of hell cannot prevail over the church from it going forward. In the trauma is our transformation. Now, if you're in a position where you've, you just stay in this attitude of prayer with me, you're in a position where you've never trusted Christ as Savior, we invite you right now to bend the knee of your heart and just say it with me. Everybody who's in the house, you say, Lord Jesus, today's a day. I give you my heart, the fullness of my life. I choose Jesus as Savior. I know that I've sinned. I come to you now, in Jesus' name.
If you prayed that way, we want to ask you to text the word Jesus to the number on your screen. If you prayed that way, text Jesus to the number on your screen. And um, as you do, we want to clap a final time for you. Come on, church. Can we clap it up? God bless you. I love you. Look forward to seeing you next week.